I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles uh, to John chapter 19, or you can follow along in your worship guide, or even on the wall behind me. But we are working our way through the passion of Christ um, this uh, Lenten season, basically walking through uh, Jesus' sufferings, uh, his interrogation, his, his um, everything leading up to his crucifixion. And so today we're continuing in his uh, the second part of his uh, interrogation and trial before the Roman governor Pilate. Uh, we started that last week, and so we're continuing it this week with John 19, verses 1 through 16. And so, friends, let's give our careful attention to this book that we love, as God has given us these words so that we would have life with him. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to, to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. And the Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have, the, I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, and in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. And they cried out, Away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. This is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace be to Christ. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for your word. And we pray that your spirit would minister to us now as we consider your word, that we would see your love, your beauty, your grace through the life of Jesus, which is for us. It's in his name I pray. Amen. One of the questions that the Gospels present to us over and over again is, who is Jesus Christ? This is a question that every single person has to answer. And so it's like Scripture never actually lets you off the hook, for, especially the Gospels, from 
answering this one question. And in our passage this morning, there is a revelation to us of who Jesus is. Like as Pilate is interrogating Jesus and he misses these, these, these things, but he stumbles upon the fact of who Jesus is. Now we're stepping into, into the middle of Jesus' trial uh, where he's being interrogated by the Roman governor. And so just really as context, what's been going on is that the Jews uh, caught, arrested Jesus in the middle of the night and, and then gave him a rigged trial before the high priest. And the Jewish leaders then take Jesus and hand him over to the Romans. And Pilate is now in the midst of that early morning interrogation. And so Pilate, um, he has discovered that Jesus is innocent, that Jesus does not deserve, he has not done anything to deserve being crucified or the death penalty in Rome. And so Pilate has been trying to release Jesus, but the mob that's been chanting crucify him wants Barabbas, a terrorist in the eyes of Rome, to be released instead. And so for us this morning, what we need to, to see, what we need to consider is, is really the question of who Jesus is. But the reality is, is that in this moment, Jesus is fully in control. Jesus is fully in control, even over his own suffering and his pain and his trial. And as, we see, as we'll see, we'll, we'll see a few things about who Jesus is. And so let's consider these things. There's actually three things that we see about Jesus for us this morning. The first one is the king of the Jews. The king of the Jews. So as I said, Pilate knows that Jesus is innocent. He's a victim of the Jewish religious leaders. He's, he's a victim of their schemes. And, so, and Pilate certainly, clearly, does not want to kill an innocent man. So he, what does he do? He takes Jesus and he has him physically Beaten. He has him physically flogged and whipped. So here's Pilate, despite knowing that Jesus is completely innocent of whatever charges are being thrown against him, Pilate is actually still guilty of hurting and punishing an innocent man. He still hurts and punishes Jesus. And Pilate has two intentions here. The first intention is actually to satisfy the bloodthirst of the mob that is crying out for his crucifixion. So Pilate's thought is that if I bring Jesus before the mob, they see him bruised, they see him beaten, they see him bloodied, perhaps I won't kill an innocent man. He's trying to get an out. But the second thing is also to satisfy his own guilty conscience too. Because he knows he's doing wrong and he's, he's afraid of losing his comfort, his prestige, his status Convenience, privilege, and more. He's thinking to himself, perhaps if I beat this man, that will satisfy them and they won't call for his death. And so Luke, in his gospel account, makes this very clear for us. He says that I will punish Jesus and then release him. So that's why he beats him. But Pilate's not the only person here. There's also Roman soldiers. The Roman soldiers take these thorns and twist them into a crown and place this crown upon Jesus' head. And this is a, a complete mockery because Jesus is, is the king of the Jews and the Gentiles are mocking him for this. But this crown of thorns, some of these thorns could be 12 inches long. So just think about that. 
Imagine having thorns being 12 inches long and having that placed upon your head and you're already in a state of great physical discomfort and pain from being beaten. And then he's given this uh, purple cloak. And so then, and that robe is meant to communicate royalty. So here's the, the, the picture that Pilate and the Romans have completely given us are giving us here is that here's the king of the Jews and he's being beaten he is being bloodied he is being bruised he is being humiliated so Jesus is presented to the mob Pilate takes this king of the Jews he is a humiliated do not miss that he is a humiliated king and he's presented to the mob behold the man is what Pilate says but not only is he being presented as a man, he's also being presented as the humiliated king of the Jews. So commentator D.A. Carson points out the, the irony here. That once again, Jesus' opponents, in this case, the Gentiles, speak better than they know. For Jesus is in truth the king of Israel, and the Jews are actually denying this reality right now. Fast forward to the very end. The Jews are the ones who say, we have no king but Caesar. So actually, Pilate is stumbling upon this discovery that Jesus is the king of the Jews. And he's being presented as the, the, the man. But there's another, and we'll, I want to return to the man in a few moments, that phrase, behold the man. Because there's an, and this interrogation, at this moment, the, the mob says, crucify him. And, and Pilate says, hey, you kill him yourself. I'm not going to kill an innocent man. And that's when Pilate stumbles upon his second thing to, about Jesus Christ. That Jesus has called himself, has made himself the son of God. That's verse 7. So if we think about the king of the Jews, now we think about the son of God. And this scares Pilate. Let's think about the son of God for a moment. And, and what's novel, unique is better, what's unique about this interrogation is that throughout the entire interrogation, Jesus is silent. Jesus never actually defends himself. He doesn't seek to justify himself. He is silent. So during Lent, during Easter, there is this one uh, spiritual, Negro spiritual, and it sings like this. They led him to Pilate's bar. But he never said a mumbling word. Not a word, not a word, not a word. It goes on. They all cried, crucified. Not a word, not a word, not a word. There's the entire chorus for the rest of the song. It's like, as he never said a mumbling word. That is this picture of Jesus here in the, this interrogation. And so as Pilate discovers that Jesus has made himself a son of God, he comes to him in fear. He's like, where are you from? So Pilate is going back and forth, like we pointed out last week. He's going back. He's, here are the Jews over here. Here's Jesus over here. He's doing this back and forth thing. And he's returning to Jesus. And so Pilate is trying to get to the bottom of this because Jesus is being silent. And he learns that, he, that Jesus has made the blasphemous claim of being a son of God. And the Greek language, friends, is clear here. Jesus claimed to be divine. Jesus claimed to be an equal with God. Now, within the Jewish mindset, within the, their strict system of ethical monotheism, and like think about Deuteronomy 6, verse 
five, the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Like, that's the Jewish creed in a sense. Like, so within the Jewish mindset, they would say, hey, that's blasphemy. Like, so the, the, there's this complete rejection of, of the Trinity, of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so, and what we also just looking at Jesus' teaching is that Jesus, yes, said, I am God. Yes, he claimed a certain intimacy and unity with the Father. He says, I and the Father are one. And then we see that the Father and the Son send the Spirit. We see this, these claims of Jesus saying that I am God. He says, I, like, think about the name of God in, in Exodus 3.14. Yahweh, I am who I am. Think about Jesus' statements, like the, the I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And I'm missing a few. I'm the vine. There's a probably not, there's seven of them. But Jesus is claiming to be God. And so Pilate would actually hear this very differently than a Jewish audience. He would hear this different than the Jewish religious leaders because he's hearing this through the system of this of Roman paganism, of the Roman pantheon of God, the Roman collections of God. Because within the Roman mythology, there are many gods. There's like the, the head god, there's Zeus. He's also known as Jupiter. Um, there's the, the god of war, Ares or Mars. There's the, the goddess of love. There's... Aphrodite or Venus, and th then these gods would have children, like Hercules, for example. So here's Pilate. He hears this statement that Jesus is saying is claiming to be God and a son of God, and Pilate's thinking, what the heck is going on here? That's why he is afraid, and so he seeks to investigate, like, who are you? Where are you from? That is what he's trying to figure out, but what's Jesus's response Silence. Not a word, not a word, not a word. Pilate's agitated. <laughs> because, like, in Pilate, Pilate's mind is like, yo, if I'm about to kill a Hercule Hercules, what's about going to happen to me? That's where, where he's thinking. And so he's agitated. He's bothered. Why don't you answer me? Do you not know that I have the power to release you or the power to crucify you? And that's ironic. Because all throughout this, he is be, he's being, he's, being, he's really helpless. He's captive to the public opinion of the Jewish mob. And it, but it's at this point that Jesus answers him. He says this, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. So right there, there's just to point out that all the authority that Pilate has is actually from God. All the authority that Pilate has is, all, is actually from Jesus. That's just something to point out right there. That's what Jesus pointed out. But then there's the following statement, that he who handed me over to you has a greater sin. And so what Jesus is also pointing out to Pilate right now that he is being a tool. He's being used as an instrument of either Judas or Caiaphas or, or, or any of those who handed Jesus over to him. The greater sin rests upon him. And so at this point, point to highlight Jesus is still not defending himself. He's not explaining things. He's not offering any sort of self-justification. He's actually pointing out, this is why I came. All authority has been, that you have is actually from me. This is, 
This suffering, this punishment, this sham of a trial is why Jesus came. Because Jesus came to both face and endure the injustice of man and also the justice of God upon the cross. That's why Jesus came. And it's at that, this point the trial wraps up. Pilate tries to release him. But the Jewish religious leaders intimidate him. They threaten him. They say, you are no friend of Caesar's if you release this man. Now, the Jews are not known in any way, shape, or form for their friendliness to Rome. So this is actually a threat, saying that they will inform Caesar, or Rome, of Pilate's failure to kill a rival king. So we have no king but Caesar, they cry. So here we actually see really the some of the culmination, the fruit of what John prophesied in John 1, that the light has come into the world, the light has come into darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And the darkness, those who are spiritually blind, are actually God's people. And so they send Jesus to be crucified. And so here's the Son of God being crucified by his own people. So as we think about the Son of God, now let's think about the man. Behold the man. See, the picture that's actually being presented to us is this very unique picture of Jesus Christ. Or is this a really unique picture of any human being where there's only one of a kind, and that's Jesus. Because Jesus of Nazareth is fully God and fully human. About a thousand years ago, there's this theologian, Anselm of Canterbury. Yes, this is a thousand-year-old theological book, and you should read it sometime. And it's entitled, Why Did God Become Man? If you would think about that question as well, like actually, we're, Parker and I spent some time with some of the children in the church, and we're getting into some of the catechism questions from New City Catechism. Why did God become man? It's actually one of the catechism questions. But if you would sum it up, sum up an answer to, in one word, to that question, why did God become man? Why did Jesus become man? To put it in one word, it's the idea of identification. Identification. Philippians talks about the incarnation where God the Son becomes man. The Philippians talks about it this way, that when God the Son took on flesh, he took it on in terms of humility and humiliation like this. Philippians 2, Jesus did not consider equality with God a thing to hold on to, but took on the form of a servant. See, what's going on here is that Jesus takes on the form of a servant to serve us. Jesus takes on the form of a servant in order to identify with us. And this, friends, is very, very, very encouraging. A few examples from Hebrews Hebrews 2, 17 through 18. Therefore, Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. For because he himself was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. There's like four beautiful things here. But so right there, just to point out, is that like Jesus had to become like his brothers in every single way so that he could represent us before God the Father, so that he could be merciful to us, so that he could be faithful to us. Then you have this word propitiation, so that he could satisfy the punishments that we so richly deserved. 
that he's able to help us when we are tempted. But that's Hebrews 2. Here's Hebrews 4, 15. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. We have a high priest who is able to sympathize with us. That's beautiful. So when Pilate says, behold the man, Jesus is not just any other human being, but he is like us in every way. You cannot disconnect who Jesus is, the person of Jesus, from his work. You cannot separate the person of Christ from the work of Christ. So here is Jesus, the Son of Man, and he is like you in every respect, yet he is without sin. So you have a merciful and a faithful high priest. He represents you before God the Father all the time. He satisfies God's wrath on his people's sin, and he's able to help you. See, friends, what the picture of behold the man is, is that Jesus identifies with you in order to serve you. He identifies with you in order to serve you. But I want to highlight specifically how from this passage. Here is Jesus, and he is the humiliated victim. He is the humiliated victim. He suffered injustice and much more. He is our humiliated king. And so Jesus, over and over again, he told us to expect suffering. He told us to expect persecution. He told us to expect it when people revile us on his accounts. Jesus is the humiliated victim. If you look at this account, Jesus is facing the injustice of a rigged trial. He's being slandered. He is being, he's facing false accusations. He's, he has one of his closest friends, Judas, betray him. He sees the apostle, the disciple whom he loved, that's John, abandon him. He has uh, his best friend, Peter, denies him. Jesus has all these broken relationships. He experiences all this humiliation and suffering. And so in the words of Diane Langberg, she, she says this, that Jesus was innocent, yet they shot at him from both sides, from the Jews, from the Gentiles. And Jesus knows what it means to be slandered and falsely accused. He knows the pain of broken relationships, betrayals and abandonment, and he knows your pain. So friends, Think about this for yourself. Have you faced an injustice like that? Have you been slandered? Do you have a broken relationship? Are you facing injustice? Friends, the answer is yes to all these things. We live in a sinful and broken world. But if you let it, your pain will actually drive you to Christ. Those things I just mentioned will drive you to Christ because he knows what you are going through. Consider how. Take out some pen. Take a pen. Take, grab some paper later on and just start writing out, Jesus, you know what it's like to be slandered. Jesus, you know what it's like to be humiliated. Jesus, you know what it's like to be mocked. You know what it's like to be spat upon. You know what it's like to be beaten. You know and then just fill out what your own experience is. Jesus, you know. Because you have a high priest who is merciful and faithful, and he identifies with you. He, is, he, is, he identifies with you. 
He knows what it's like to be crucified, to be mocked, to be slandered, to be abandoned, to be betrayed. He knows what it's, li- what it's like to experience the full pain of our human existence. And he knows because he's, he endured it. He endured it for you. And also he endured it so that he could be with you. That is what Jesus did. Our Savior is the humiliated victim here, and he identifies with you. So friends, you want your pain to drive you to Christ. Take it to him in your prayers. Prayerfully take your pain and your suffering to the Lord and ask him to meet you in it. And he says, I will, because he's already done that. So take a step back now and let now pull all these three threads together. Who is Jesus Christ? Jesus is the King of Israel. Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus is the man. That Jesus, Jesus is the Son of God who humbled himself, who is a humiliated victim so that we could actually have life with him. Jesus did all of that. Jesus identified with us so that we would have life with him. This is incredibly good news. No other king. No other politician, no other leader or religious leader, no one else would do this. But God did it so that you would have life with him. That's incredibly, incredibly good news. Let's pray together.